People asked me as I was coming in, you're the speaker today, you're the speaker today. And they wanted to say, of course, why are you the speaker today? And, and the answer to that is, it is the cheapest airfare to fly from Gulf Shores to, to, uh, to Foley. And that's why that Pastor JP has me come. It just reduces the budget, low airplane ticket right there. How many of you thank God for our pastor? What a wonderful man of God. Yes, I'm sure... I'm sure he's watching today, so just tell him how much we love him right now. Will you do that? Wow. Come on. All of you folks that are watching in the Correctional Center, we want to welcome you today. Those of you that are joining us online, let's give them all a great welcome today. I want us to just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our heart. How many of you would like to hear a word from God today? Well, we're taking a vote right here. I see five hands up. So I don't believe in voting. I had a lot of Baptists, Southern Baptists in my church in Arkansas. And how many of you know Southern Baptists like to vote? So we're going to give you a chance right now. Amen. Do you want to hear a word from the Lord today? You got to open, you got to open your heart. How many of you brought your Bibles with you today? If you got your Bible, iPhone, iPad, something, amen, that you can just, uh, you know what I want you to do? I want you right now, just all over the building, take your Bible in your hand, iPhone, iPad, whatever you got. I want you to stand with me. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer right now. For the next few moments, we're going to ask the Lord to speak to us by the power of his spirit. I feel like a few weeks ago when Pastor JP asked me if I would uh, speak to you today, I begin to pray. And I feel like the Lord put something in my spirit and in my heart for this meeting today. I guess maybe I'm from the old school, but I just don't believe you find the right word from the Lord on the internet. I believe you find the right word from the Lord with the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. Can I hear an amen to that? Lay your hand on your Bible right now. Father God, we thank you for your presence. Lord, there is an awesome, there is an awesome awareness of your presence in this place right now. I pray today for every man and woman and child, every student that walked through these doors for the next few moments, take away distractions, give them an ear to hear what the Spirit would say. Let faith arise in their hearts and let miracles happen in their families, in their lives, in their businesses. In Jesus' name we pray, for faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. God bless you and you may be seated. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes. And how many of you know when a preacher says a few minutes, it means nothing? But I, I hope you will either look on your bulletin there or you will write this down. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about three keys to success in times like these. Now, I want you to take a moment and just notice what it says. Three keys to success in times like these. Last night, after I went to sleep, does, do any of you have God speak to you when you're sleeping? My dad told me that the, the one reason that he does that is he can't get us to be quiet long enough. But in my sleep, I woke up and the Lord quickened to me a verse. It's not going to be in my notes, but, but, but it's in the Holy Spirit's notes. And this verse came to me that where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. Now think about that. 
That word grace, say it with me, grace. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it, grace. That word grace in the Greek means divine favor, not necessarily deserved, but bestowed upon you because of God's love for you. How many of you are glad that you are a recipient of grace? I'm going to show you in the Bible that God delights in finding bad times to show out. Don't hope you're not offended by that word, show out. How many of you know there are places in the Bible where God showed out? You doubt that? You should have been standing there when he rolled the sea back and Israel marched across on dry land. There are times when Daniel was in the lion's den and God shut the, the, the mouths of the lions. That's, that's favor in difficult times. Keys to success in times like these. One of my favorite heroes, modern heroes, is the late Dr. Billy Graham. How many of you loved Dr. Graham? I saw, well, let's celebrate his legacy. My goodness. Wow, wow. I was watching a uh, documentary the other night on, I guess it was ISP and it was somewhere, I can't remember, and they were showing a crusade. And it reminded me of something, that when Dr. Graham conducted a tremendous crusade in London, England, now you got to remember, this is England, and the crowds were unbelievable and the response was incredible in accepting Christ. The guest vocalist was one of my favorite singers, African-American singer, Miss Ethel Waters. Do you, do you remember her? Oh, my. On the last night of the crusade, there had been just a tremendous response. And Miss Waters was about to step off of the platform when she was met by television cameras all around, bright lights on, reporters screaming. And one of them said, Miss Waters, what do you believe has been the secret of Dr. Graham's success here in England. I'll never forget what she said. Only in the Ethel Waters way, she looked those cameras straight in the face and said to the world, honey, God don't sponsor no flops. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That is true. God is not sponsoring Failure, God wants you and I to succeed regardless of what the times are. Turn, 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 to your, turn to your neighbor and say, you look like a success about to happen. Tell them that right now. Now, y'all are a great crowd. I mean, no kidding, no kidding, no kidding. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and just say to them, you're actually better than most folks think you are. Tell them that right now. <laughs> Amen. Now, <laughs> before, before we get to the keys, and I'm going to get there in a moment, they actually told me, I think Brother Eric, who is in charge of sound, told me that I had two and a half hours to preach today. Is that, is that true? <laughs> I was asking him what was required, and he was trying to be real nice about it. And I, I set his mind at ease. I said, I had a teacher in college who taught us, it was in preaching class, said, if you can't explain it in 30 minutes, you probably don't understand it yourself. 
How many of you have heard some sermons you wish that guy would have been in that class? <laughs> but before we get to, to keys to success, I want to talk just briefly about in times like these. I want you to pick up your Bibles and look at a text that I think is extremely relevant in 2022. It's 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32. It's going to be on the board. I want you to look at it. The Bible says of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times. Wow. One translation reads, men who understood the temper of the times. Watch the next phrase. To know, sit with me, to know. To know what Israel ought to do. Directly connected to knowing what to do in times like these is understanding the times. Jesus rebuked a lot of church leaders in Matthew 16, 3. Don't turn, let me just quote it. Jesus said to them, to those church leaders, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. We as believers, how many believers do we have here today? Say it with me. I'm a believer and not a doubter. Should not be surprised at what is going on in the world. This shouldn't just shock us. You know why? Because if we know what is in here, you know that this is coming in anticipation of the greatest event ever witnessed in history, and that is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, let's talk about times, these times. How many of you would agree with me that these are the most, these are the most difficult, in one sense of the word, times that we have ever faced in this world. I'm going to get very serious in a moment, but I'll show you what kind of world we're living in. I pulled up to Hardy's a while ago to get my sausage egg biscuit. I like them. Don't pray for me. I don't want to be delivered. I like them. So she handed she handed me my little bag with my little biscuit, and I said, may I have three jellies? This is what she said at Hardy's. We don't have any jelly. We haven't had jelly for days. You have a breakfast place and you don't have any jelly? I was whining to my wife. You don't want to whine to her. She said, stop whining. I went to Starbucks to get me a pink drink. I don't drink pink drinks, but she does. And she said, they told me, we don't have any strawberries. She said, I went back a week later knowing they would have strawberries. And they said, Miss Holden, we still don't have any strawberries. Then 
the lady said, we don't know when we're going to have strawberries. Come on, folks. Times like these. Now, let me get serious for a moment. Global epidemics. Most of us in this room had no comprehension that three years ago when COVID-19 hit, the seriousness or the impact of that, that it would make on the nations of the world and on each of our lives personally. I'm going to shock you now. Are you aware that Jesus in Luke 21 said just prior to his coming, there will be global epidemics worldwide? How many of you knew that? How many of you didn't know that? How many of you just woke up? Let me show you something. In the book of Luke, chapter 21, verse 10. By the way, you're going to learn this about me. I have a sense of humor. That's the way I've stayed in ministry for 60 years. If, if pastors and preachers do not develop their sense of humor, the guys in the little white suits will pick them up and you will be sending people to visit them. The Bible said the joy of the Lord is our strength. Just because we're having difficult times with no jelly at Hardy's doesn't mean we've lost our joy. Come on, somebody. Luke 21. Luke 21. These are the words of Jesus. Let me give you a little Bible introduction here. Everybody say with me, Luke 21. Put your right hand up high. Luke 21. Matthew 24. Put the other hand up. Matthew 24 and Luke 21 are parallel chapters. All of them, both those chapters, the, the chapters contain the prophetical prophecies of Jesus when asked, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? Now, don't you go read them right now. You listen to me preach. Here's what Jesus said, Luke 21.10. Nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and famines in many lands. This is the living Bible. And epidemics. Epidemics. And terrifying things happening in the heavens. How many of you know COVID-19 did not take God by surprise? But I want to tell you something, in the midst of all of that, God wants to pour out his presence and power and grace in a dimension like the world has never seen. Now, I'm not going to teach on prophecy today, but let me give you a second, a second sign of the times. A global financial crisis paving the way for a global economy based on numbers. Where did you read that? I wrote that myself. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> Listen to this in Revelation 13, 16 through 18. It's talking about a figure that will arise in the world called the Antichrist. It says in verse 16, and he, the Antichrist, causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Look at verse 17. That no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of the name, the number of the name. 
the number of the name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 600, threescore and six, or 666, or the number of man or humanity. I don't have time to talk about it. I just want you to be aware that this is a development in our world that is a sign of the times. Let me give you one more. But before I do, my, my grandson is, is here today. He's 13 years old. He's a reader. He loves God with all of his heart. He loves to pray. If you got people, if you got a dozen people standing around and say, who's going to pray? He'll say, I'll pray. He loves to pray. I called on him to pray in a group about that size, and this was his prayer. He said, Jesus, you need to either heal this COVID-19 mess or come get us right now. That's not too bad, really. Let me give you a next, a next sign of the times, the times in which we live. Listen carefully to this. The completion of the Great Commission paving the way for the return of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus said it. Matthew 24, he said, before the end, before my return, let me read it to you. You think I'm making it up. Matthew 24, 14, look at it. This gospel, this gospel of the kingdom, say, say with me, this gospel, shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Let me give you some great news today. The greatest harvest of lost souls, the greatest degree, degree of conversions to Christ have not happened in past generations, but are going to take place in this moment in history, preparing and completing God's word. We are going to effectively reach all nations with the message of the gospel before Christ returns. We are much like Esther was in the Old Testament. The entire population of Israel was threatened with annihilation. A decree had been made, kill them all. Mordecai, her uncle, paid a visit and said to her, this is Esther 4.14, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Whew. What happened? A little Jewish girl walked up to the king and won his favor, and an entire nation was delivered from death because of one woman's willingness to fulfill her God-given purpose. Some of the great moves of God in the Bible took place during times of crisis. God used Joseph to save Israel during a global crisis. God moved Daniel from POW to prime minister in Babylon. 
I want to tell you today that this, I believe, is a time when God is interested in success in his church, success in your life personally, success in your marriage. God wants you to have success in your life. Now, i got to save a little time here. Many of you have asked me, and I've been anxious to say this to you. Many of you have asked me about my recent trip. I just got back from the country of Rwanda. Rwanda is a nation in the center of Africa. Rwanda is among the top 20 poorest nations in the world. But I was invited to the nation of Rwanda to speak at a national leadership conference, and I went. When I came back, my wife always asked me this question. She said to me, how was the trip? When I gave her my answer, she said, what did you just say? Because I've been doing this for almost 60 years. She said, what did you just say? I said, I believe that this trip to Rwanda was perhaps the most successful international trip I have ever made in my entire ministry. Now, I could give you a hundred reasons. I'm going to give you two or three to show you how God was moving. Listen to this. There were over 30 different denominations. Did you hear what I said? Denominations. 30 different denominations represented in that conference. All the way, these are key leaders, these are the leaders all the way from Anglican to Lutheran to Methodist to the Church of the Brethren to the Assemblies of God to the Pentecostals to the Independents and on and on it goes. I've never seen that. And how many of you know, in fact, I said to them, when I, when I walked before them, I said, this is what heaven is going to look like. How many of you know God is not a Baptist or a Methodist or an Episcopalian or a Lutheran? And when you get to heaven, there won't be a Baptist section, a Methodist section, a Lutheran section, a Catholic section, and the Pentecostals over behind the plexiglass because they're so loud. (laughs) How many of you know there's only one kind of people going to be there? Those that have been born again, that have accepted Jesus Christ, that have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You know what this pandemic is doing? It's getting us to forget about what our denomination is and focusing on why we're here because together we're going to get the job done that Jesus told us to do. Now, I'm not against denomination, so I'm not mad at anybody. I've never been in a denomination. So I'm not not angry with anybody. You know, it's kind of like the two little boys talking about church and he said to his friend, he said, Johnny, what abomination does your daddy belong to? <laughs> Please understand that. Now, now listen to me. Let me tell you a second thing. I am a connoisseur of the presence of God. I mean, that's what I'm interested in. If the Holy Spirit is not there, I'm not interested Listen to this. In three days, 
We did 15 sessions. 15. Every time I stepped in the meeting hall where all these folks were, the moment I stepped in, I felt the overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit. And it was there from the opening moment until that session was dismissed. And 15 times, I never stepped in that, in that assembly center that you did not feel an overwhelming awareness of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you how strong it was. There was a pastor there present. I don't know what denomination, doesn't matter. That had owed another pastor $5,000 for years. It got so bad between them that they were not speaking to each other. And I hope that doesn't offend you, but preachers can have problems too. They were not even speaking to each other. The Spirit of God began to move in such a powerful way. This guy that owed the other guy $5,000 left his seat, walked over to where the guy was that he owed, took out his checkbook, and wrote him a check while we were worshiping for $5,000. Now, how many of you know when you get preachers writing checks, God's moving? He said to him, I want my heart to be right with you. I want my heart to be right with God. I want to be involved in what God is doing, and I cannot do it if I am not right with you. Gave him the check, walked back, and began to worship. How many of you know that's the Holy Ghost right there? I could give you a hundred things that happened just like that, just like that. But I quickly want to get to the heart of this. Three keys to success in times like these. I'm going to give you the three quickly, and then I'm going to explain them. Hold your hand up for a moment. I believe if you hear it and you can see it and you write it, you'll remember it. Three keys to success. Number one, say with me, number one. Put up one finger. Knowing. Well, if you're going to say it, everybody say it. Knowing. Number two, growing. Number three, sowing. Oh, I know you've got cheating notes right in front of you right there. <laughs> you can thank Miss Janice for that. Uh, knowing, growing, sowing. Let's talk about knowing for a moment. Now, you remember the phrase that I read at the opening of the message, 1 Chronicles 12, 32. The children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. How many of you here, honestly, in your heart, in times like these, you'd like to know what to do personally? May I see your hand? Now, let me give you quickly a couple of statements. You need to know who you are in Christ. Knowing who you are in Christ, 1 Corinthians 1.30, but of him are you in Christ Jesus. How many of you know if you've accepted Christ, he not only is in you, but you are in him. 
Put your right hand up high. Make a confession with me right now. Because I have accepted Christ, I am in Christ Jesus. God the Father, when he looks at me, sees me in his Son. Now listen to this. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness, watch this, and sanctification and redemption. Don't let the devil beat you up that you're not worthy because of sins in the past, because your sins in the past, if you've accepted Christ, do not exist any longer. Well, come on, give him a hand. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, listen to this. He is a new King James says creature. You know what the word really is? He is a new creation. Watch this. All things are passed away. Say with me, passed away. And behold, all things are become new. Satan's greatest weapon is to keep the cloud of the past over your head. And the truth of the matter is, the cloud is a fake and a lie because it doesn't exist. You've heard me say it, it's worth repeating. Lock the doors back there so folks can't leave till I finish this. <clears throat> I'm getting my nerve up now. I do not believe that the blood of Jesus covers my sins. You hear that? That's the reaction I get everywhere I say that. I do not believe that. I believe the blood of Old Testament sacrifices covered the people's sins until the day that Jesus Christ walked up Mount Calvary, stretched his hand and spilled his blood and said, it is finished. The blood of Jesus does not cover my sins. The blood of Jesus washes my sins away. Because believe me, in today's world, if all that happened is your sins would be covered, somebody would uncover them. But they can't because they are taken away forever. Number two. You not only need to know who you are in Christ, you need to know your purpose in life. Every person, every baby conceived, boy, that wasn't the way I was going to say it, but I believe the Holy Spirit had me say it that way. That's why I'm celebrating the reversal of Roe v. Wade. While you, listen to me, while you were still in your mother's womb, God was working in your life, shaping, forming, designing. You doubt that? Do you know 
You are the only original on the planet. Nobody has your thumbprint. You know why? Because the creator of heaven and earth can make an original every time. That's why you need to quit trying to be like somebody else. You need to find out who God wants you to be and be that person. I went through that struggle when I first got saved and went in the ministry. I felt like I, I felt like I needed to preach like Billy Graham and sing like Jimmy Swaggart and take up an offering like Oral Roberts. How many of you know I lived a frustrated life? And one day, one day, God spoke to me and said, you're not Billy Graham, you're not Jimmy Swaggart, you're not Oral Roberts, you're Kemp Holden, born in Satsuma, Louisiana, on a dirt road to a farmer and his wife, and I've got a purpose for you that will take the gospel around the world. Now, some of you are looking at me like a calf and looking at a new gate. Pastor How, what are you talking about? Let me show you something. 2 Timothy 1.9. Y'all still here? Just take a deep breath. You're going to beat the Baptist to the restaurant, I promise you. <laughs> Second Timothy 1.9, look at it. Who hath saved us. It's on the board. Thank God for these people right here that work up there. Who hath saved us. Look at this. And called us. Who hath saved us and you're not just saved, but you're called with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Look at the next phrase, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God's got a purpose for you. Have you ever stopped and asked yourself, why am I here? What's the reason? Why wasn't I born 200 years ago or 500 years ago? Some of you today need to pause for a moment. You're saved. But you need to seriously begin to consider knowing your purpose for being here. Number two, the second key is not just knowing, but growing. Successful people never stop growing. I don't even have time to go to the verses. Let me quote one, grow in grace. You ever read the verse? Grow in grace. Everybody say grow in grace. And in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you're born again, you're born again. But you are basically a spiritual baby. And I love babies. The older I get, the more I love babies. I love baby Christians. But when you have to part the whiskers to give them the bottle, something is wrong. Turn to your neighbor and say, sweetheart, you need to get off the bottle and grow up. Our goal as Christians should never be to be better than everybody else, but rather to be the best that we can be. Write this down. I've written it down for myself. 
reaching for the best and not the less, growing to our maximum potential. Many Christians, many Christians never grow. Many Christians are like dirt daubers. Is that a Louisiana word? Do y'all know what a dirt dauber is? Let me see your hand if you know what a dirt. Oh, man, hey, I'm among my own here. I used that phrase in Jamaica. They didn't know what that was. I began to describe it. It took about 20 minutes. One Jamaican stood up and said, Pastor Kemp, I said, yes. He said, I know what you're talking about. I said, what's that? You're talking about a mason wasp. It took me 20 minutes to figure out what he meant. But that's what a mason does. A mason shapes things. Don't be like a wasp. Growing means change. Most people don't like change. About the only thing most people are willing to change is a stinking baby. Now, I'm not a proponent of change for change's sake. It's often a characteristic of restlessness, can be a symptom of personal inner conflict or insecurity. But this is true. All progress brings change, but all change does not necessarily bring progress. You've got to change. You've got to make, you gotta make the, the, the right changes for the right reasons. Romans 13, I actually just have verse 12 in your notes, but I was praying about it and verse 11 came to me. Here's what it says. It says that knowing the time that now it's high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Then you find verse 13, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off, cast off. Say with me, cast off. Come on, say it like you mean it, cast off. Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. As you grow in Christ, you need to turn some stuff. No, let me change that. You need to throw some stuff away. Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. The Dakota Indians have an interesting little story. They begin with this question. When you discover you are riding a dead horse, What is the first thing you do? Answer, dismount. However, in churches, we find that many try other strategies with dead horses, including the following. Buy a stronger whip and declare that no horse is too dead to beat. Or to change riders. Or say things like, this is the way we always have ridden this horse. Now, this is a church, appoint a committee to study the horse. Or visit sites on the internet to see how they ride dead horses. Change the procedure to ride dead horses. Appoint a special team to revive the dead horse. Consider whether or not the rider needs more skill and knowledge on how to ride a dead horse. I could go on and on. Harness several dead horses together for increased speed. How many of you know that's not what you need to do? 
Listen to me. Some of you personally, let me talk to you personally. Some of you have been riding a dead horse too long. I'm not being critical. It's not taking you anywhere. You need to just get rid of the dead horse, get off, and let God move your life forward into what he has for you. You have to put on some new things. Jesus said that fresh wine, new wine, must be put into new wineskins. It's essential. It's essential. Let me go quickly to the last one. Y'all okay? There's just a whole lot right here to talk about, let me tell you. Three keys to success in times like this. Can you name the first two? I didn't quite understand that. What was that? Oh, that, that's much better. Thank, thank you. Here's the last one. Sowing. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 2 says there's a, there's a right time for everything. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to sow or plant, and a time to harvest. Now, make a note of this statement. If you don't sow it, you can't grow it. God gives, us, God gives us an unchanging law. This is a God-ordained law. It's in the book of beginnings, in the book of Genesis, right at the dawn of creation. Genesis 8, 22. Have you ever read it? While the earth remaineth, listen to this, while the earth remaineth, seed time, and harvest. Well, let's memorize that verse. Here we go. Genesis 8:22. Say it with me right now. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat and summer and winter, day and night shall not what's it say? Shall not cease. That is an irrefutable divine law. That is a God-given law that if you don't sow it, you won't grow it. Now, I close with this. Lord, helping me to close. Galatians 6 in the New Testament. You may have heard it, but I want you to think about it. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man, whatsoever, say with me, whatsoever. Rest of you say it. How about everybody together? Whatsoever, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Any farmers here? How many of you have some farming experience? How many of you know if you sow potatoes, what are you going to reap? Oh, you could reap corn or carrots or cabbage. How many of you know that's not true? If you sow corn, what are you going to reap? If you sow peas, what are you going to reap? You produce the harvest that is determined by the seed. Potatoes produce potatoes. Soybeans produce soybeans. Now let me put this right where we are today. If you sow, if you sow love, you're going to reap love. That's a good word for husbands and wives. 
If you sow kindness, you're going to reap kindness. If you sow anger and bitterness and resentment and criticism, somebody tell me what you're going to reap. That's what you're going to get back. If you sow that in your children, don't be surprised when they manifest that. If you sow forgiveness, you'll reap forgiveness. We are sowers. He that goeth forth, listen to this, I'm quoting. He that goeth forth, this is from the book of Psalms. He that goeth forth weeping with a broken or tender spirit, sowing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? If you want to succeed in times like these, don't become an angry, resentful critic. A great place to practice that is at Walmart. A great place to practice that is in the checkout counter at Publix. Come on. And on occasion, you'll even be giving your money to a person that has a horrible attitude. I paid for something in a checkout line and paid out. And I said to the lady, I said, have a great day. How many think that's pretty good? You know what her response was? How come you limited me to one day? But I kept on sowing. I said, you be blessed, my dear. God bless you. Come on, folks. How many of you know, boy, since the pastor's not here, I'll go ahead and venture this far. How many of you know that's true even of our money? The amens are overwhelming right here. I talked a moment ago about Brother Oral Roberts. Brother Oral Roberts, the university was just two and a half hours from my church there in Arkansas, so I would go over and visit the university. Some folks are very critical of Brother Oral. Until you build a university bigger than he did, stop talking negative. I mean, I'm just saying. Brother Oral Roberts made this statement. I'll never forget it. He said, my tithe, talking about his tithe, is not a debt I owe, but a seed I sow. That's a good statement. That's a good statement. I'm a member of this church. My wife and I, we're members here. We're glad y'all accepted us as members. We've been looking for a church to accept us. But I'll tell you this, there's not a question about whether or not we're going to sow our tithe at this church. In fact, I have an agreement with my bank. That's the first thing you do, send them that money at Summit. I'm not bragging on me. I'm just telling you how strong I feel about this conviction because I've been a tither. I've been a tither. Listen to this. I've been a tither before I became a Christian. You know why? Because my mother was a Christian 
And she said, you're not going to eat my food, sleep in my bed, and rob God. My first job, I made $7.50 for the week, working for my cousin Lester, washing windshields. Anybody remember when they washed your windshields? I was so proud of my first $7.50 when I brought it home. My mama said, let me see your money. I proudly handed it to her. Somewhat of a mistake. <laughs> she took out 75 cents. I said, what are you doing? She said, this, this, this is a seed you're going to sow for Jesus. My mama was a tough customer. I, I wanted to say it, but I was afraid of her. I wanted to say Jesus wasn't out there washing windshields in that hot sun, but I didn't say it. But I learned a powerful principle. I watched my parents. My daddy had a fifth grade education. Grew up during the Depression. After the war, my daddy took, I believe it was 35, I can't remember if it was $2,500 or $3,500 and opened a family business, a hardware business. But my mama always sowed that seed every week, every week, every week. My daddy was able to retire when he was 56 years old because he was a faithful sower. I'm not putting you under guilt or condemnation. I'm just inviting you to join the club. Is that all right? Consider this. You say, Pastor, Pastor Holden, this is what a guy told me one time. I was, I was, I was working with him, and he, he was, he was, uh, he was, I was trying to help him a little bit, and they were really struggling. And I said, listen, why, why, don't, you, why don't you just become a, become a tither? He said, Pastor Holden, I can't do that. I can't even live on 100% of my income. I was a little more foolish in my younger years. I looked at him and said, how's that working for you? Well, it's not working. How about having 90% blessed by sowing that 10%? I challenge you. It is, it is the one thing in the Bible. I'm talking about this longer than I intended to, but it is the one thing in the Bible where God says, prove me now herewith. I'm, I'm going to challenge you. If God says that, I think I'm going to say it. Prove God. See what God will do. <clears throat> How many of you here will go before Pastor JP and get me off the hook here? Will you do that when you talk to him? Say, say I really enjoyed Pastor Holden's message except that last five minutes. That, that thing was just really bad right there. Amen. I'm kidding you. Father God, we thank you for your wonderful presence. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that your presence is here today in this room in an awesome way. Lord, I believe that I'm speaking to people here today that really to need to pick up the keys of success, knowing, growing, and sowing. I pray, Lord, for every one of them right now in Jesus' name that they would begin that incredible journey today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around, how many of you would say to me right now, Pastor Holden, I've been challenged by your word that you've spoken today. I've been challenged by the message that God gave you. 
I would like for you to include me in your closing prayer today that I can make the changes that I need to make because I want to move into a place of effectiveness and success in my marriage, in raising my children, in my business. I want, to, I, want to, I want you to pray for me that I'll be able to pick up these keys, whether it be one of them or all three of them, and move forward in my life. I'd like to pray for you in closing. This would be my closing prayer. But if that is you, if that is you, I'm going to ask you right where you are, right where you're sitting, lift your hand and say to me, Pastor, include me in that, in that closing prayer. Put your hand up right now. Just, just leave them up. God bless you all over this building. God bless you. 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 Up in the cascade, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All over this room, hands are up. That's a great thing. You may put them down. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every man, woman, and student that lifted their hands. Lord, I'm asking you at this very moment that you would enable them to step forward, pick up the keys, and open the doors of success in every area of their life. Lord, we have the promise of success in times like these. The world may be in deep darkness, but we are children of light. And you've challenged us. Let your light so shine before men that they can see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. I thank you for it right now in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, let this work begin while we're sitting in this room. Let it, let it begin to develop even now. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Just keep your heads bowed for a moment. I'm going to ask that no one leave the building for the next couple of minutes. Just give me a moment here with you because I want to speak to you about something very, very important with heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm convinced in my prayer time in preparing for this service that I would need to do this, and I'm going to do it right now. How many of you in this room will say to me, Pastor Holden, I've experienced God's presence here today, and I love God, and I know that God loves me. But I'm not certain about my relationship with the Lord. I'm not sure that if Jesus were to come or call for me that I would be ready to meet him. But I don't want to live another day like that. I want to know that I know that I know that I know that my sins are forgiven, that my name is in the book of life. I want to give you a very powerful word of encouragement. You can know that beyond any doubt in your life. You can know that you know that you know that your sins are forgiven and that your name is in the book of life. I'd like to include you in my closing moment with you. How many of you would say, Pastor, you're talking about me. I love God. I know that God loves me. But I just want to know that I know that my sins are forgiven, that my name is in the book of life. I would never embarrass you, but would you slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me today. God bless you. God bless you. Just leave them up for a moment. Nobody looking around. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you in the cascade. God bless you. God bless you. I'm coming across the, the upper area there. Lift your hand if that's you down on this lower level. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. 
God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Dozens and dozens of hands across this room. You may put your hands down. Now, please, please pay close attention to what I'm going to say. Right where you're sitting, right where you're sitting, right where you are, I want you to pray a prayer of faith with me. I'm going to help you pray it. I want you to pray it for yourself. I can't teach you to pray, but I can help you pray. I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you lifted your hand, I'm going to ask everybody in the building to join these folks as they pray. Help them as they pray. Are you ready? We're going to pray right now. Let's pray together. You ready? Pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, pray it out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying on a cross, paying for my sins. You paid the full price. At this moment, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and to take my sins away. I believe in my heart that you are the Son of God, that you are my Savior, and I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior and my coming King. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, 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 amen. Oh, glory to God, come on, come on somebody. Come on, somebody. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God, glory to God. Now listen carefully to me right here. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, and I know you did, you wouldn't have gone that far if you did not mean it. According to God's eternal word, I'm looking for my Bible. According to God's eternal word, God's word says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I'm quoting the Bible, thou shalt be saved. That's not Kip Holden's word. That's God's word. Can I hear an amen to that? 